uh, I'm going to start again from scratch in a question. Sorry, this, this one's going to be an editing nightmare. I'm really sorry. I'm hopping all over the place. Don't worry, Mike. I'll handle that. Welcome back to Mastering Metail, a masterclass in e-commerce covering both retail and media brought to you by Essential Digital Commerce. In this episode, we're going to be talking about 3PL, or third-party logistics. We have a familiar face with us as our guest. But first, my name is Emma Irwin, your host for this series, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Essential. Back to our guest. You may remember him from the supply chain episode of our Amazon season, which you should definitely go back and listen to if you haven't, as these two episodes fit nicely together. But enough of me. I'm Mike O'Donnell. I'm our VP of Client Services overseeing retail and supply chain. And that changed since the last time we spoke, right? I think. Yeah. So I, I've been taking on more kind of overseeing our overall retail strategy, but also I, I think the supply chain element of that role has become more robust. So excited to talk. This is, we are like right in my wheelhouse today and things that I like to talk about. And now our recurring questions. All right. We're going back to same question as last time, but we're going to do last thing you purchased on Amazon, in which the last time we talked, it was a massive bag of dog treats. So I'm wondering, is it the same? Is it completely different? I'm curious. I mean, there's a never-ending stream of dog treats coming to my house, so it very well <laughs> might be. Last thing I remember buying on Amazon, um, I don't know. Let me come back to that at the end of the show. Fair. We can do that. And then Again, similar to last time, we're going to all plant the something on your digital wish list. I should have looked at what that was. I forgot to listen farther into the last episode to remember what was on your digital wish list the last time. But we'll see. Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was probably similar. So we're uh, doing some house renovations right now, and my digital wish list is like a mile long. So I've been okay. really getting into the home improvement side of uh you know myself that i feel like never existed pre-buying a house that needed work and so i've been buying like way too many tools and yeah it's become an addiction so it's been a lot of fun <laughs> not good for my uh my wallet but it's a fun hobby with that covered we can move into actually talking about 3pls really short explanation here but brands and manufacturers can team up with the 3pl to help out with things such as creating multi-packs or bundles of products we're stepping in to help brands and manufacturers take care of shipping their products directly to consumers rather than to Amazon's warehouses. You'll walk away from this episode with a solid understanding of what a 3PL is, what services are offered, why a manufacturer would need these services, the power of e-commerce platforms as product research tools, more on nimbleness, and Mike's takeaways for those in the industry. Back to Mike. When you hear 3PL, that just stands for a third-party logistics service. And I know this is like an e-commerce focused podcast. We're usually talking about e-commerce and certainly there's a heavy influence here in terms of how we can use 3PLs in e-commerce. That's going to be the focus for today. But I did want to specify that 3PL isn't necessarily an e-commerce specific thing. The third party there doesn't mean the marketplace. It doesn't mean seller central. It's just anyone who's assisting you in fulfilling any kind of logistical needs that you have. And that's not... You just said it's not just e-commerce specific, but definitely not just Amazon specific, right? Correct. Yeah. And in fact, most of the 3PLs that are working in e-commerce today are one of the benefits there is you're able to reach many manufacturers at the same time. So certainly not e-commerce specific, not Amazon specific, but it's something that's, I think, really allowed a lot of brands to elevate their e-commerce presence. So there is a lot of carryover here that we're going to talk about today. So that was a solid definition, but what can 3PLs really do? What are the specific services offered? There's a variety of different things that they can support with. It can be anything from the really, let's say the basics, right, of, of helping with bulk shipment, return logistics, 
uh, some of like the labeling and packaging needs that maybe are a little tougher for a manufacturer to accommodate on a retailer by retailer basis. But there's also sort of these specified services that I think are, are more focused for the e-commerce space. And that would be things like bundling and multi-packing. I know, Emma, you've you've lived and breathed this stuff for a while now, and you've probably seen that a lot of times on an e-commerce platform, we'll use Amazon for an example, the manufacturer doesn't own every listing and every size because there's someone out there who's more nimble, who's quicker, who's building out these new products faster. And uh, if we're not keeping up with those people, we're losing share on our own products. Like it's frustrating enough to lose share to someone else, losing share on your own stuff. That's awful. So, you know, it's being mindful and kind of being ahead of the game uh, is an area where I feel like third party logistics companies have really made a huge difference with the industry. And when you say product kidding, that is essentially, and when we're talking about those listings on Amazon that are yours, but they've been reassembled kind of, that's like taking, let's say you sell one bottle of something, but there's another seller out there who has somehow like combined two bottles of something and they ship that out to the customer. Yeah, exactly. So it can be a multi-pack or it can be a variety pack. So maybe it's a shampoo and a uh, conditioner combined, or maybe it's like multiple flavors of some kind of a a snack, like a bag of potato chips. Consumers are, are pretty clear on Amazon about what they want. You can see in search results based on organic rankings, exactly what tends to do well and not do well. And sometimes the price points and the sizes that work offline don't work online. So this is where I think it gets kind of uh, counterintuitive a little bit is the largest, most reputable brands in the space are usually the ones that are the slowest to move in this area because they know it works in retail. They have these established sizes and products that they've, they've used forever. It's those medium sized to, to smaller guys who are very nimble and able to bring this to, to market quicker. So if you're a really large player, it might be advantageous to work with a third party who can do some of these activations a little faster. Why are those smaller players able to be more nimble than the larger ones? Yeah, I mean, I think in a vacuum, when we talk about it, it sounds really easy, just make a three pack. But the the actual logistics of doing that within a complicated line setup, creating that packaging, doing new labeling for those products is pretty complex, especially if you're doing it for just one channel. And then, you know, you've got these other sizes that are multi-use and can go everywhere versus this one product that's you're basically creating a custom. A lot of times those larger companies, the, the amount of support they need to get internally to make that type of a shift is pretty large, but the amount of support needed internally to send the same palette you're already using somewhere else and have them make that shift is much easier. But there's probably another big one that we haven't hit yet, which is drop shipping. Remember when Mike was talking about this being an editing nightmare? Here was a place where he defined dropship at the end of our conversation and then told me to insert it here, which I would have done anyways, that is my job. Dropship, uh, for anyone who's not familiar with it, also sometimes called direct fulfillment, is shipping the product directly to the consumer. It's a direct consumer shipment. So that's anytime we're talking about that, and that can be with a cold pack, it can be just because it's a heavy product because it's a low turn product, but rather than going through the second shipment of getting it into a warehouse, putting extra hands on it, repackaging and getting it out the door, you're just going from the fulfillment center, your own internal fulfillment center or a third party's fulfillment center straight through to the, the consumer. Back to Mike talking about services 3PLs can provide, such as dropship. And as important as bundling is in this space because of what we just talked about with selection growth, this is another area where I think is as important in terms of getting products directly to consumers or managing your own inventory, where manufacturers in general are not really, usually, depending on the category, very well set up to do that. Take products individually and ship them individually to the end user. That can be very complicated. Um, So it's another area where having a specialized company who has that focus can really help out. 
To recap here, 3PLs can help out in two areas super specific to e-commerce, which are bundling and product kitting or services such as dropship. Mike gave us a specific example of bundling, but let's listen to him give a specific example of dropship in action. I always like to think of like a brand's direct-to-consumer site. So let's say I'm, I'm selling chocolate during the holiday and you go on my website and you buy a box of chocolates. I'm going to ship those chocolates directly to your house if I'm the manufacturer. But on Amazon or on Walmart, we're typically going through their warehouses through a normal fulfillment process. Well, if I'm a company who's not used to going for that individual picking, imagine what that setup is like. You have to have specific bins. You have to have a person whose entire job is to take in one order at a time and package it and ship it individually. The shipping costs of, of taking those individual boxes and shipping them small parcel, like those are all really expensive things when you add up the labor and the ship through. Um, but there are manufacturers who are using third parties who specifically all they focus on is this type of shipment. And if it's all you focus on, the labor logistics make a lot more sense. You can build your entire warehouse around that type of pick process. And what's really cool, and I think what's interesting in terms of a, an e-commerce development and where I think 3PL will continue to be a focus for e-commerce, is that now if you're Walmart or if you're Amazon, they'll actually supply their payment code and they'll give you term incentives to ship directly to the consumer because it keeps it out of their warehouse. So not only can we now cover the labor challenge by working through a third party, the shipping cost challenge essentially gets covered by the or by the uh, retailer who has preferred rates and um, is actually incentivized themselves to keep it out of their own warehouse. So there's now kind of this new shift where they're actually making direct fulfillment a little bit easier because it benefits everybody in the process. Mike mentioned chocolate as an example here, which got me thinking about summership, which is what we in the industry refer to when sending products to consumers that can melt during the summer. Could a 3PL help out with that? Yeah, so I think major retailers are starting to get better facilitating shipments through the summer, but there are still issues with products that melt. And if you think about a lot of the products that are really successful in e-commerce, like a soft gel or a gummy vitamin or a piece of chocolate, there's a huge market there of products that just can't be shipped in the summer right now. And I'd say that that's absolutely a huge opportunity for dropship and specifically cold dropship, shipping with ice packs. If you've ever ordered like a box of chocolates during Christmas, it probably came with an ice pack and you probably felt like, wow, that was probably a huge waste and really expensive. But if you think about the overall value of organic rank and making sure you're relevant and keeping those products top of mind through those summer periods, by the time summer ship ends, it's usually October and you're heading right into Halloween and Christmas and all those things that, at New Year, New You in January for supplements. It's important that we're still relevant during those places. So third-party logistics companies have gotten pretty efficient at shipping with cold packs. I'd say that's an area where for manufacturers, it's a huge undertaking to build that out internally. We see very few of them doing it. So I think this is an area where if you look at which categories have used 3PLs most consistently in the e-commerce space, you're going to see a lot of those multiple products come up. They were the ones who were really forced into this the quickest. Makes sense. And then I'm sitting here thinking about 3PL is another player in the inventory management game. Is this is this helping or hurting in terms of inventory management? Because this sounds kind of complicated. Yeah. So I'd say to some degree it depends. But um, on a dropship side, we're seeing more and more brands actually use this as a way to simplify their inventory management. Because one of the benefits of having a direct fulfillment set up is that you don't have that lead time of having to get the product to an intermediate warehouse before the consumer can see it. So I'm going to use Amazon fulfillment by Amazon for this example. So if I'm on Seller Central and I have an FBA account, I would be shipping product into FBA, which Amazon then has to handle and all those details. 
before consumers see it as available. With a direct fulfillment environment, I can basically say as soon as the product's in my own warehouse, I can do a direct feed through an API or an EDI setup that tells the consumer exactly how many units are in stock. This gets even more complicated when we look at like a direct relationship. So if I have a direct relationship with Walmart or with Amazon, they're going to ask me uh, for a certain number of units on a certain cadence, and I don't have full control over that. So if it's Christmas and I'm selling toys and uh, there aren't enough toys in Amazon's warehouse, they're just not available for sale. Meanwhile, if I've been on dropship, as long as I have them in my warehouse, I can make that full selection available. So it actually makes it much easier for products that are really seasonal or for manufacturers who do a lot of in and outs, who create new products, who have the, maybe like in the fashion industry, if you have you know different products that you're introducing very frequently, it's very easy now to bring products to market and you don't have to fight the uphill battle of waiting for purchase orders. Now you've got a foundational understanding of 3PLs, how the services can be used to create products that you can see have potential or how dropship can be used to get products to consumers more efficiently. Did you think any more about the last thing you purchased on Amazon? I didn't. Hold on. Let me catch you. <laughs> yeah. This is me being, I'm so painfully uncreative that I can't even make something up right now. <laughs> Maybe he'll have it by the end. Next, we're going to dive into some bigger picture topics. I'm curious, with all of, there's a bunch of different like 3PL services out there and different companies that do that. Do you ever think that manufacturers will end up just building this internally? Not tomorrow, but sometime in the future. It's a great call. And I think a lot of manufacturers have seriously considered that. I think this is an area where we mentioned earlier, like there's a tier of manufacturers who are very nimble. And I'll use the supplements category as an example. So if I'm selling supplements, I can see very clearly what pack sizes work, what counts work, what milligram dosage works. And it's very advantageous for me to be quick with making those shifts. Because if I'm launching, um, I'll throw like a vitamin C supplement out there. And let's say I don't take vitamin C, so I don't know what the exact dosage is, but let's say it's a thousand milligrams of vitamin C in a 60 count. And I put that on site, but I can, I can clearly see that the products that are winning are 120 counts at 1500 milligrams. If I'm the kind of company that is slow to make that move, there's, I'm always going to be living below the best possible search placements. But if I can be shifty and make that move, I could probably build that product in the matter of a month or two and then be competing on a very high indexing search term like vitamin C supplements. So if you're a company who's in one of those spaces where little tweaks like size and dosage can make a huge difference, it's going to be very advantageous for you to build that out in-house. And I think we're going to see those types of companies make those moves first. I'm going to guess that picking a 3PL to work with is a little bit more complex than a Google search. How should manufacturers be approaching that? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot of hard costs in the 3PL environment. I think costs should definitely be a pretty big consideration when looking at that. I would look at the warehouse capacity and make sure that this is a, a situation where you won't be hindered once you start moving in terms of what you're focused on. And then I think it comes down to capabilities. Different third-party logistic companies specialize in different things. There are some that are really good at shipping food and shipping cold products, uh, which can be more challenging to make sure that it gets the end consumer on time. There are some that are very heavy on drop shipping, while others are just really efficient at using Walmart fulfillment services or Amazon FBA. So to some degree, you kind of want to look at what are my goals, cast a wide net, understand what others are doing, and kind of get that feel for the pure capabilities. Um, but there's this other layer that I think, in my experience working on the agency side and getting to see a lot of different 3PLs in action, 
that I think is kind of a hidden issue that I've seen that I think is something should be that should be really heavily considered. And that's where's your data and your strategy going? Because a lot of times what will happen is, yes, we've found this product that we know consumers want. We can see that they're selling the two-pack on site. We create that two-pack, but because it's living in a different warehouse in a different place, it kind of just gets ignored in terms of the overall strategy. And there's reasons why that happens. The data doesn't port into uh, maybe your, your vendor or seller central account for Amazon. So because it's separate, you're not really seeing the trend analysis there. It's usually under a different media claim ID, so you could potentially bid yourself up by advertising together. There, there are a few different sort of complexities that make that sort of a, a fragmented strategy. And that, to me, is a huge miss, because if we're going to be investing in building a new product, we should be agnostic to whether or not it's the best strategic fit for our, our overall go-to-market strategy. So I'd say when you're thinking about a 3PL choice, also think about how is this 3PL going to work with my existing strategy? And are these products going to be ones that I can A, forecast for, B, work within my existing trend analysis, C, advertise against without creating new processes or complexity within my current strategy? That's a great segue because Flywheel offers a 3PL service. Can you tell me about that? We do. Yeah, this uh, it's really exciting as something that I think came out of what Flywheel saw in the industry as a challenge. Certainly, there are plenty of strong 3PLs out there that are can ship can bundle, can do cold shipping, can do drop shipping, all the things we're talking about today. But I, I think that strategic element was one that we saw as a huge opportunity. We basically dug in and said, where are the challenges we're having right now working with third-party logistics companies? Where do we feel like that could be improved? And where do you feel like the future of that's going to head? Because at the end of the day, if brands are going to really pick this up and use this, and this is going to become part of a permanent e-commerce strategy, it has to align to their goals. And right now, third-party logistics solves a problem, but it's more of a Band-Aid than an actual solution to goals. In, in many instances, I can't speak for, for every instance, but what I think is unique about Flywheel is how we have that ability to take the existing strategic guidance and support that we give, the existing data tools that we have to analyze, the existing media strategy and media tools that we have to support, and overlay that with a broader third-party logistics solution in a way that makes it sort of one easy, clean extension of your existing strategy. We've talked a bit here and in the Amazon supply chain episode about the importance of being nimble in e-commerce and being able to pivot quickly to create those multi-packs or bundles if needed and get them out to consumers. So I wanted to add in a call out from Mike on the importance here, using information that's easily given to you as a manufacturer or brand working with e-commerce. One thing that I think is, is underutilized is how incredible our product research tool Amazon and Walmart are. Walmart a little bit less so because you can pin placements to the top, which kind of influences like the true natural organic ranking. But if I search a category like collagen, for example, just to throw a random example out there, I can see exactly the flavor, the ounceage, the branding elements consumers like about that. I can see what images work. I could see what tends to hit people in a title. All of that is very visible because the organic rank makes it all very natural. On hard lines, it's probably even more significant because I can see what features a consumer likes. I can see what types of product, what colors. I can see in uh, the the reviews for my competitors, I can see exactly what those consumers don't like about my competitor products, or maybe they do like about the competitor products. I think that's really underutilized. And I think if, if it starts becoming the first place that we look in terms of what's working and what's not with our e-commerce business, paired with a third-party logistics company, you can bring new products to market in a matter of weeks. So instead of being a company that's doing all this research and development on the back end to build the product, bring it to market, 
see how it does and let it live or die. Now we can see how it does and really quickly tweak. And if in that first launch, it's not exactly built for what consumers are saying they want, rather than just play that out, we could potentially shift pivot and build something that maybe is a little more in tune to what we're seeing in search behavior. So I just think it's something that people under underestimate in terms of the benefit of that, that research tool. With all of this information, I asked Mike if at the end of the day, the cost of partnering with the 3PL is worth it in terms of those potential sales of creating products that you can see that people are looking for and buying. It's going to happen on a case-by-case basis. I think in many instances, the answer is going to be yes, depending on what the cost internally is to shift over. But I also think there's an element of test and learn here, which is um, it takes a lot to move a big ship. And if you're a large, let's say a large CPG manufacturer, making the case internally to build out a whole new product based on a, a search listing uh, might make a lot of sense to the e-commerce lead, but it might not make a lot of sense to you know the, the person who's making that financial decision. So being able to have a really nimble way to bring it to market and say, hey, we can sell 10,000 units in three months. Have I proven yet that we can bring this in-house? And I think that sandbox of using third-party logistics as a way to not just bring new products to market, but also prove out that there's opportunities to expand your existing selection in-house and take that back over once you've actually tested it externally uh, is another really big opportunity that I think we're going to see brands take on more. Before we wrap up here, let's listen to Mike's takeaways when it comes to 3PLs. My overall takeaway would be in e-commerce, it's not always the big that overtake the little. Sometimes it's the fast that overtake the slow. Just because you're the largest brand in a space doesn't mean uh, you're going to be the most efficient at bringing new products to market. Um, and if you find yourself in that scenario, you know, maybe maybe you are great at it and that's that's awesome. But if you find yourself in a scenario where you feel like, how is this third party always beating me? How are these competitors bringing products that have n- seemingly no brand recognition that are out competing me in this space? That's when I would start to look at, okay, maybe I can be a little bit more nimble with my own selection because these manufacturers that are competing with me are bringing something to market that that I can't. Um, so that would be kind of my first my first thought there is that's how I would approach when it's time to look at a third-party logistics company. The second piece I would say is don't let, if you do decide to engage on the 3PL space, don't let it be a black hole. This is something that I see incredibly often in the e-commerce space is we go through all this effort to build out these new selection items. We run it through a 3PL and then we essentially treat it like it's just this side project that uh, isn't actually driving business. The reason why we created that product in the first place was to build out our strategy and build out our selection, and we should be implementing it into our existing strategy. So if you feel like the setup that you have doesn't allow you to get the data or the tools or the inputs to make that successful, that would be a time when I would start looking at other 3PL solutions uh, that might be a little bit smoother at that. Let's see if Mike now knows what the last thing he purchased on Amazon was. God, these are so boring. I probably have the least uh, interesting purchase history of anyone you've ever seen. It's a lot of dog stuff. We we just found out we had a friend over the other day and he's a, a Montgomery County firefighter. And he identified that we have no uh, fire extinguishers in our house. So we got shamed uh, over dinner for about an hour about that. So I purchased some fire extinguishers on Amazon last night. And actually they make Incredible. now like aerosol. I don't know if you've ever seen these, they're pretty cool. Like aerosol fire extinguishers. They work really well, but it's literally like hairspray. And you just like spray it like that. So we're going to see either either it's going to be really dangerous because I'm using a hairspray fire extinguisher or our house <laughs> just got a lot safer. 
What tool has been on your digital wish list and why won't you purchase it? So uh, we've got a lot of yard work to get through in our house. And I'm realizing that I just do not have heavy duty enough stuff. So this is uh, this is going to sound intense, but I, I need a chainsaw. It's time. <laughs> I, I never thought I'd be that guy. I never thought I'd be the guy who's like, I'd look at chainsaws in the store and be like, what kind of aggressive person buys a chainsaw? I've become that person. I need it. The trees are too thick. So I was going to say, so you're like cutting down trees. You've got some serious work to do. It'll be a small chainsaw, but yeah, it's time. The handsaw's not cutting it. That fully wraps up another episode of Mastering Retail. Please make sure to follow us and leave a rating or review on the platform of your choice. This really helps us out, especially if you've been enjoying the content. Please be sure to also check out This Week Above the Fold, a new podcast from Essential Digital Commerce where our experts cover industry headlines and what they mean for your business all in seven minutes or less. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design from Enos Tenchi. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time for more e-commerce masterclass content.